After a little time off, it's another episode of Beyond the Pod. It's September 11th, 2018. I'm Brandon Molesky, former Golden Gopher great, second all-time leading scorer at the University of Minnesota, at least on the men's side, is Pat Micheletti, and he joins me, as always. Good to see you. It's been a while. Good. How are you? Of course, uh, Beyond the Pod brought to you by Eagle Valley Golf Course in Woodbury. And uh, you had some little health changes once again. Yeah, another you know another hip surgery. But uh, I, I kind of feel like Ryan Suter, you know, get the surgery done and trying to get myself ready for this for the season. I did not want to wait, you know, to mid season and get it done. So got it done uh, before hockey. Season At least your starts. voice never fails you. No, your voice is it's always, always good. here, always good, always ready. So yep, healing up and uh, ready to go for the season. Well, hopefully the Wild are ready to go because they already play a preseason game less than less than a week from today. Uh, they have their first practice on Friday. We're taping this on a Tuesday as we speak. And let's go through the roster a little let's bit. Let's do that. Because yeah. I, I saw um, Michael Russo, of course, from The Athletic, posting his line combinations. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. this thing can change four days I'm, I'm, into training camp, right. two games into the regular season. But it's still fun to talk about anyway. Sure it is. And when he's revealing them, it's because I'm pretty sure that the coaches told him, hey, this is what we're doing. Yep. Yep. So, I just want to get your your thoughts on it. So, okay. on, the, on the first line on the depth chart, Eric Stahl centering Jason Zucker and Mikhail Granlin. Um, I think that might change a little bit because I they, they might want to probably put uh, maybe a, another uh, bigger winger on that line. But uh, there there was, uh, you know, I think there's some chemistry there. They, there's speed. There's no question about it. And the way Granlin handles the puck... Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully they'll get uh, Eric Stahl going right away because I think that's very critical. But, yeah, it could be uh, could be an intriguing line. Well, separation of Mikhail Granlin, Granlin and Miko Koivu for the last two years. Last year they got separated a little bit. But, yep. I mean, the year before they were basically together the entire season right. and they started the season together last year. I've always wanted to see Mikhail Granlin with more offensive-based players. And I do think he's... When him and Koivu have been together, they've had that chemistry. Yep. I don't know if it's just the finish thing. Could be. Or you know how each other plays. But that being said, uh, on paper, when you look at Granlin, you go, all right, here's Zucker, a guy with speed, who Granlin can set him up yep. and, and spring him in the neutral zone. And Stahl, who's a shooter, that if you have a passer who can put him in shooting situations, that seems like it would make sense. Obviously, you were a forward who was mm-hmm. who was very good and scored a lot of goals, and you know the importance of line mates and chemistry. Yeah. It's always one of those things that I... I I don't think you can just write down on a piece of paper, hey, these guys are going to work well together. It's one of those things where sometimes the most it's, the odd combinations work, and sometimes the combination that seems obvious doesn't work. It's it's hard to predict. Yeah, it's it's always a chemistry thing, and and, and here's the deal. You're right. Stahl can be a playmaker, uh, and, and he's a pretty good shooter also. Uh, I always played with a guy, because um, I wasn't the biggest guy on the team, obviously, and I played the wing, uh, where I had a big, big guy who can grind it down low and get those loose pucks and... And, uh, you know, where you could jump in then and get it and make plays. And so, uh, the, the question is, is that if, if, if they're going, if Granlin and Zucker are going against a big D and are unable to really, um, you know, dig for pucks, you know, who's going to do that? You know, then you lose stall going in there and then who's going to make plays? So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it works out. If they're all going and their legs are going and they beat defensemen and they get to lose pucks, then you can make things happen. So, I, you know, there's going to be a lot of experimenting going on, and um, but we'll see. Have to see how it uh, plays out. So I never saw you play hockey. Yeah, but judging by just doing talk radio with you over sure. the last decade or so, however long this has been, mm-hmm. 
I can tell you're a guy that just wanted someone to get you the puck. That that would be the case, right? And, and it was on the microphone. You just want me to pass it along to yeah, you. Yeah. Well, you know, seriously, exactly. <laughs> and, and you do a great job. I, I think I'm scoring pretty well. But no, my my centerman said, you know, because I wasn't the greatest skater. He said, just get open. And then what I would say to the to the winger, go. You know, I said, I said, here's where I'm going to be. Find me. Get the puck and find me. And uh, and so you, have, you you create chemistry within your line. You're always talking. Everyone knew what you were going to do. You know, I was a shooter on the line. I wasn't going to go in and out muscle a big defenseman and that sort of thing. And and so you do what you do best. And and uh, and so when you have a line that everyone knows what they're supposed to do, well, then you will have some success. And and so it's always communication within line mates. And and if you don't have that, then you're not going to have a successful line. At any level, who's your favorite line mate of all time? Probably Rick Erdahl. Uh, and he's a, a kid out of Minneapolis, Washburn, who just had tremendous, tremendous hands and uh, and great, great vision. He was drafted by Calgary, had a long career in Sweden, and uh, you know he was just uh, he was a lot of fun to play with and. And listen, I mean, he he fed me like a baby. Maybe I wasn't as good as a, maybe I wasn't as good as the numbers came up uh, as I put up, but uh, it's because of a guy like that who just uh, you know put me in in a position to shoot the puck and score. So um, anyway, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. All right, second line as of now. Yep, they have because uh, I know there's been kind of some murmurings of maybe Erickson Eck becoming your second line center. Yeah. Here's what I predicted from the get-go. Is yep. They'll start with Koi. They're not going to put Erickson X slotted second to begin training camp because that's just going to make Koi yeah, upset. Yeah, right. Got to have a good um, locker room. But maybe as you as you move along, I think you got to give Erickson X a chance to prove himself mm-hmm. offensively before you slot him up. That was kind of my take. Um, but they do have Koi as your second-line center with Parisi and Nino Niederreiter. Okay, there again, you know, um, maybe uh, that's a situation where you could see some change between the you know a couple of the wingers as i mentioned um you i don't know if you have a whole lot of speed on that line and so they're gonna have to play different right yep. they can't play the same way as as the as the top line and maybe there's some thought process there okay we'll we'll you know change things up a little bit um you know we're all hoping that nino comes back and you know as well as i do he after that in, injury that he had didn't never the same. Never the no. same. And so if you get him back, maybe we'll see a little bit more jump out of him, and maybe that line will work. Listen, we all know uh, number 11, if he is healthy, at the end of the season, there's no question in your mind, my mind, that he was their best forward. The last nine games of the season and into the playoffs, um, he was their best forward. And then he had that unfortunate injury, which hurt him in the play, which hurt him going uh, the rest of the playoffs. So if he's healthy and moving and uh Playing the way he can, uh, that'll be bonus for that line and the team. Yeah, you mentioned Nino because a lot of these guys took heat for their performances and their goal scoring drops right, last year. Right. Nino's the one that I'm the least worried about. Mm-hmm. He's been kind of a consistent 20, 25 goal scorer, went healthy throughout yeah. his career. And when he came back last year, to me, the way you knew that he was different is because he was always the guy. He's big, he's strong, he protects the puck down low. He was not protecting the puck in the corners. No. He was not winning battles. That's his game. Without a and doubt. if you take out the top part of your game, I mean, the rest is going to fall down and suffer. Uh, and whether that was he was still hurt or wasn't didn't have the you know the same leg strength because he'd been out or just wasn't confident in those right. areas. Uh, to me, I would expect that part of Nino's game to return and and see him elevate to what we normally see. You know what gives me hope? And and you know you know you and I watch a lot of hockey and we watch it as much as we can. In the World Championships, it just appeared to me that he finally got healthy. I watched um, Team Switzerland, who had a great World Championship. 
he was their best player. Really? And he made plays and just the, the things that you mentioned, protecting the puck, getting in front of the net, that big body. Uh, and he's got really good hands and can shoot the puck. Yeah. Uh, he was tremendous in the World Championships. That gives me hope that he's going to uh, start out strong for this team. Maybe the most interesting line combination of them all. I don't know how long this one will last. Yeah. But the, the third line of Erickson Eck centering Greenway and Charlie Coyle. So you got two young guys. Erickson Eck obviously played a full season last year, but Greenway going to be his first full season. Erickson Eck second full season after a probably disappointing overall season, other than the, you know the playoff performance. And then you throw him with the Charlie Coyle, who also had a disappointing season. So you have you have guys that you think you've got some upside in all three of them, but you're not going to know you have, whether they can get to that until it happens. Um, that is a big line. I I, I, I venture to guess Erickson Eck put on some pounds or or muscle this summer. You he know, did, he did because last year, he's yeah. young and he and he's probably did a little bit more. Greenway is a monster, as we saw, and Charlie Coyle is. Um, a big power forward. Uh, that line is intriguing. And, you know, you talk about maybe flipping him and Koivu. Maybe you don't have to. If that line starts out and is a a really contributing third line, you might want to just keep them together. And uh, and and they may provide some energy because you got, I don't want to say Charlie Coyle is old because he's not. But when you have two of the younger guys, and then a Char- that, yeah. and, and a Charlie Coyle who's not what what's he? I don't even know twenty six, twenty five, twenty whatever. Yeah, um, that has the makings of of an, an intriguing line. So, uh, and and listen, let's face it, you have to in the National Hockey League have three lines that can play. In the past, you know, everyone talks about top six. You need a a third line that not only contributes. But does it on a, not a once a week, uh, you're doing it all the time. If you have three solid lines, boy, that's going to help your hockey team. It's kind of uh, funny you just mentioned the age of yeah. that line with Greenway and Erickson Exo Young and then Coyle a little bit older. Still overall should be hitting the prime of his career at, at this be, age. Right? Without a doubt. But I feel like Coyle psychologically has always been one of those guys that concedes to his line mates mm-hmm. and doesn't, doesn't take over and dominate like he should, or what he's like he's capable of, just based on his physical skill. I almost wonder with throwing him with two young guys that it almost forces him to be. Hey, you've got to be the man on this. Yeah, line. right. Whereas he's never. I don't think he's never had that thought process in his head. That of, he's the I'm guy. the man on the line. Right. Exactly. I, I think that's a great point. And 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 here's what I'd like to see out of Charlie Coyle. Just from what we've heard, what we've seen, what we've talked about, is that he gets down on himself. Mm-hmm. You know, and he gets you know because Too hard he, on himself. Yeah, and he really. I would like to see him get mad, you know. Yes. Get mad, not n- mad in a good way. Like, darn it, I'm going to get out there. And if you're I- struggling, go throw the body around. Yeah. Yeah. Do something that's going to make a contribution that that you're going to say, "Wow, what a great play! What a great defensive play! What a great um, momentum changer!" Because you always want that third line to maybe change the momentum of the game, right? Your bottom six, and I hate to even call it your bottom six because. Really, I, I, it's more of a top nine to me. But yep. um, if, if he can uh, uh, get his mind to think, you know, I'm going to just go out and do it. I'm going to play hard. Um, that would be a bonus for this team. Uh, fourth line, Felino, Fair, uh, Brown, and then uh, Hendricks kind of is the fourth guy. And then I'm, I'm curious as, one, what you think of those four as a group, and then Maybe one spot open for a forward. So you're talking Matt Reed, Kyle Rao, Luke Cunning, who still don't know if he's going to be healthy in time. 
Landon Ferraro, Sam Annis, who you've seen a lot down yep. in Iowa, Justin Clues, uh, those kind of names. All those names that you mentioned, I, I think, will probably start in Iowa, and I think that's good. I think that's good because they're going to get a lot of ice time down there. They want to win down there, and those are the type of guys that Tom that Tom Curvers, I'm sure, would like to say, hey, go down there, play hard, get your points, get your confidence. You're going to get a call up here because no team goes through an entire season without some type of nagging injury or what have you. And so be ready to play. And I think, uh, I think those guys are, and I, and I really think for a guy like Luke Cunning, if he's not going to get your power play and penalty kill and all of those situations, put him down there. Put him down there. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll have to see how that last position, you know, plays out. Nothing too surprising on the blue line, but he has Suter with Spurgeon. I know there are, there's yep. always a discussion whether you put Suter with Dumba. At moments, they've played with each other. Dumba right. has kind of elevated his game at times. You know, with Suter and Spurgeon out in the playoffs, Dumba had to elevate his role in terms of minutes. But uh, Suter, Spurgeon, Brodeen, Dumba, and maybe the most encouraging for me, and this is assuming all your defensemen are healthy and we don't know about the health of Suter technically yet, but uh, I do think they have a chance in a third pairing to be better than we've had at, the, at that five and six spot. Mm-hmm. I guess... I guess Scandella when he was here a couple of years ago, but uh, Sealer Pattern on uh, on your bottom pair. Yeah, I, I think that. Well, I think it's better than what we've uh, seen in the past. You and I talked last year. last year, and we're like, "Oh boy, five and six, we have issues. Who are you going to play them against? Don't get that five and six. Nate Prosser uh, had to save the season. Nate, <laughs> and, and you know, we people can laugh about it, but Nate Prosser. Really, at a critical time, yes, stepped in when when Kyle Quincy was a complete bust here, and we were and we were just like, oh, what is going to happen? And there was automatically a cohesion within the whole group. Everyone was happy to see Prosser back in there, and guess what? He proved himself that he could play, and um, and don't rule him out getting some some minutes uh, in there also. So um, I, I'm very comfortable with that with that group. Obviously, this is all assuming everyone's healthy, but right now the fourth pairing, as you're seven and eight, they've got Olafson and Prosser. I have to believe if everyone's healthy, healthy, that uh, Olafson's not going to make the team and is going to be sent through waivers because mm-hmm. I do think they have a couple guys in Iowa that are at Olafson's level or even better. Yeah. Uh, so barring Olafson making some jump this off season, which is unexpected, but I mean they still got Susie down in Iowa. Uh, oh. Bel- Belpedio, I know, is a different kind of defenseman, but. Uh, the one game we saw from him last year, uh, he looked good, and I think has gotten some some good reviews yeah. out in Traverse City. And then, uh, you know, we still have Ryan Murphy as well. Yeah. There's depth there, which is really, really good, especially on the back end. If you do not have depth, you're really in trouble. And and they've got some young guys. On Olafson. for me, when I'm watching somebody, I want to see one thing that stands out, whether it be a compete level, whether it be a first pass, whether it be, you know, playmaking ability, something. When I watched Olafson, nothing really stood out to me. And it was like, at times I thought, uh-oh, Olafson's on the ice. The other team recognizes it. Let's go take, really get in on the forecheck and let's take advantage of him and, and change the momentum of a game, of a game. Um, maybe he's still growing and, and there's still some growth there, but I just, to me, I didn't see anything that would warrant him making this. Team. We're kind of hoping it was going to be another Jonas Brodeen, and he hasn't, right. he hasn't emerged to that level. Without a doubt, I agree. Uh, let's talk about some other. Well, I guess we can talk goalies. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add on Dubnik, Stalock, and uh, Andrew Hammond. 
No, uh, you know, Dubnik had 35 wins last year, and uh, I expect him to be ready. And, you know, the way that minute, the style that Minnesota plays, um, he should have an, another good year. And obviously, we all know goaltending is critical. Look at the Chicago Blackhawks. They yeah. lose Corey Crawford, and they, you know, have a, have a, a not-so-good year. All right, let's talk about uh, a couple NHL-related things, including two stories out of Las Vegas. Oh. Uh, first, Max Pacioretty traded to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. They send Thomas Tatar, uh, forward prospect Nick Suzuki, and a second-round pick in 2019 to Montreal. Then they sign Pacioretty to a four-year, $28 million deal. Um, Tatar doesn't do a whole lot for me. I can't tell you anything about Nick Suzuki, so it's hard to really fully evaluate the trade when you don't know how good of a prospect it is. Uh, I would say the most encouraging thing was you know, $7 million a year for Pacioretty, and you're only committed for four years, because I know the, the, the concern at his age is you don't want to sign him to a, a long-term deal and get caught that way. But if, four years to me is pretty manageable. I think that's a, a pretty fair deal for Vegas. Remember when we were talking about um, some of the players that Vegas took in the expansion draft, and you'd kind of shake your head and say, why didn't they take him, or why didn't they take him, this guy or that guy? Well, you're seeing the reason why. They built up so many draft picks that they had the ability to give away a couple second-round picks sure. and a first-round pick and then get a player of the caliber that they did in Max Pacioretty and then tie him up for four years. So George McVie and that staff did a magnificent job. And and to have the season that they had last year and then build on it by not only trading for Pacioretty but signing as a free agent Paul Stastny to center that second line. They're not living off of their laurels, laurels of what they did a year ago. They want to compete, and they want better. a Stanley Cup, and they are a better team than they were a year ago. I'm guessing this means they're out of the Eric Carlson sweepstakes now since they uh, don't. I don't com- think committed. so. No, no? I, I don't think so because they have assets, and, and they can still at some point make a deal for, for him. I mean, they have some guys that might be expendable that other teams are saying, boy, yeah, he had a great year. Let's let's bring him in. Um, so it uh, it, w- it would not surprise me if um, they're still in the mix for Eric Carlson. The other Vegas story uh, regarding a <laughs> former Golden Gopher, a former a great Golden Gopher defenseman, and Nate yep. Schmidt uh, suspended twenty games for PEDs. Very uh, very vocal about yep. uh, saying nothing. He didn't put anything in the system, and it was such a small amount, uh, like a billionth of an amount. Yeah. Um, I'm always hesitant to comment on these types of stories because no one no one really knows no. what you're putting in your body other than him so i think it's hard to, to for me to have a strong opinion yeah. either way uh you might have a relationship with him or yeah. know him a little bit but you know the type of character he has uh, what are your thoughts on uh, the suspension you know automatically i mean listen the kid loves to be in the national hockey league this is a kid who was uh given a scholarship to the university of minnesota brought in had a difficult, difficult time. In fact, they moved him to wing for a while, and and then you know Mike Gensel did it. By the way, should get a ton of credit for where um, Nate Schmidt is today. He was outstanding. Yeah, because yeah. Nate Schmidt got confidence and got learned to play defense. He loves to play the game. He's thrilled to be in the National Hockey League. I do not see any reason why he would jeopardize anything. Uh, to give up his dream and, and what he's accomplished in the league. Uh, he's very thankful for all of that. So I don't know what happened. Um, it could have been a I, I, I don't know, but I, I trust in what Nate said. 
and uh, it, it's very unfortunate. And um, and like you said, it was a billionth of a billionth of a whatever uh, that they found in his system, and it's it's just very unfortunate. All right, before we get to uh, Tom Curvers, yep. assistant GM of the Minnesota Wild, uh, two related items out of the hockey news. Okay, I want to get your opinion on it. Uh, they listed the five coaches that will face the most pressure this season in the NHL. Uh, Joel Quenville, Chicago. Mm-hmm. John Cooper, Tampa Bay. Which I, th- I was a little mild I, I on that was, one compared yeah, to the other right. ones. Mike Babcock in Toronto. Obviously, expectations mm-hmm. a little elevated there, but he ain't going anywhere. No. Uh, this one I found a little bit to be odd, but Todd Reardon in Washington. Uh, how, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, are those the... But And one more. Okay. The, the name that I thought... Uh, I first thought of when I saw the headline of the story, Bruce Boudreaux, the Minnesota Wild. I, I would put him at number one, and I think he knows it. Um, listen, you know, Minnesota's been there. They made the playoffs. Um, they haven't advanced. Uh, new general manager, all of that. Bruce is a great coach, and he's done great things. But just with, with those other guys, um, I would put him at the top. Joe Quinville, maybe at number two, but why? He's won how many cups there? Yeah, they've had. To but make... you know, in the National Hockey League, if they miss the postseason again, yeah, <laughs> it's got to fall on somebody. It's got to fall on somebody. It always, it's and and it always falls on the coach. But look, look at what happened. What, what's happened in Chicago? They've had to trade guys like Panarin. They would have never wanted to trade Panarin, but they had to because of cap reasons. Bufflin, <laughs> Bufflin. I mean, the list goes on, right? Yeah, and they still win. And they had a bunch of young, good players, but not NHL really ready. They lose their goaltender, Corey Crawford. They get stuck in some bad um, contracts uh, with the one of the defensemen. Why, why, Seabrook. Seabrook. So um, you can't blame the coach for that. No. So, um, Well, and the decline of Jonathan Taves. We'll yeah, see if he comes back. But. Right, and, and I'm sure he'll have a better year. Reardon, first-year coach after a Stanley Cup winning team. Tough to win back-to-back Stanley Cups. Right? Yeah. But but uh, all in all... I, I don't think there's any pressure on them at all. I mean, obviously they... Right. They need to be in the playoffs. I mean, if you're missing the postseason, that's one thing. But, one, they finally got their Stanley Cups. So yeah. The Capital fans are going to be going easy on you for a little last, while. And it's your first year. Last I heard, one team wins a Stanley Cup every year. You want to talk about Mike, Mike Babcock? This is still a team that's growing. Now, obviously, when you sign a guy like Tavares and you have a guy like Matthews, you know, the expectations are going to be sure. cup or bust. Uh, but, listen, they still need a defenseman. They give up a ton of goals. They might have to win games. Uh, they may have to score four to six goals a game to win because they just they're, they're not great defensively. They're top heavy in the forwards, uh, but when it comes to playoffs, you better stop the puck and you better play good D, right? So um, I don't know. It's but if you're looking at it though, probably more pressure on Minnesota. Yeah, I. You mentioned it, right? That they've been in the playoffs six straight years, only gotten out of the first round twice, and yep. that hasn't happened in the last couple of seasons. You get a new general manager, so he doesn't necessarily have the same He's got no loyalty, loyalty to, to Bruce Boudreaux that, nope. that uh, the previous administration did. And he forced Boudreaux's hand on his assistant coach. Bruce Boudreaux did not pick his assistant coach. That nope. was that was selected by Paul Fenton, which can almost can look as look at it as, hey, we're grooming him in case you fail. To me, if the Wild make it, miss the playoffs, Boudreaux's done. Even if they do another one and done in the first round, especially if they're not competitive, I think he's done. I mean, he's uh, he's got to take this team farther than they've been before. Yeah, and and the message has to be going into training camp is not all all of that noise has to be eliminated. You know, the players have to know that know 
that they're going in and they're going in to win and they're going in to have a great season. There, there can't be any thought, well, if we don't start off, we might lose our coach or any of that. All that noise has to be put away. I, and I think, you know, with Paul Fenton, I think the, the I think the, the thought processes, everyone has a, has a clean slate. Let's go. Let's get after it and, uh, and focus on all the positives that, uh, we could, um, uh, you know, achieve this, this, uh, this season. One other hockey news item. Uh, they were pondering which three teams could be this year's Avalanche slash Devils, as in a team that expected to not even be close to the playoffs. All of a sudden, they had they surprised and made the postseason. So, out of the teams that missed the postseason last year, mm-hmm. they think could emerge and make the postseason. Who would you select? Well, I think, and and, and I've said this before, and I I've, I've kind of been on their bandwagon because I love the moves that they've made, but and a lot of people haven't finishing as low as 13th in the conference. Watch out for the Arizona Coyotes. They are young, uh, and their issues at the beginning of the year last year, they had a new coach, they had to learn the system, and, 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 and they, 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 they acquire a goaltender from the New York Rangers, uh, Ranta, and he gets hurt early. So then they've got guys that really haven't played very much. End of the season, that team was very good. The Wild know that firsthand. The Wild, what was it, two to nothing <laughs> they, or three to nothing? I think they lost them twice, didn't they? Yeah, and, and Minnesota's up two nothing or three nothing going into the third, and they lost. Um, that's a team, and they made some acquisitions. Galchenyuk over the, uh, the who they acquired from Montreal. They mm-hmm. rid of Domi, who was a number one pick and had fifteen goals. They acquired Marion Hosa. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Be uh, they did though. They did. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that's a team. Now, I, it may be a stretch, and, and uh, you know, I don't want to be crazy here, but that's a team that if it, if, if everything hits right, they, they'll they'll compete for that eighth spot. Well, that is one of the three teams the Hockey News selected. Well, they, they had Arizona on there. Yeah, uh, the Good. team the I'm team that I were. that I would pick they also had, and now I also picked this team to make it to the Stanley Cup final last year, and they missed the postseason. Yeah, that would be the Edmonton Oilers. When you have a just num- strictly on Connor McDavid. Okay. Yeah. When you have a number one and a number two center, Dreisaitl, who was maybe a little bit down last year, got the big contract. When you have those two, that's a great start. Yep. If you're strong up the middle, we've talked about this in the past. Of course. You know, you need strong centermen. They've got two. Um, and I think they're mad. You know, I think they're mad. And, and like you said, McDavid is all world. Um, some people think he's the best player in the world. Um, I think they'll bounce back. I don't know if they'll have enough. But because they they got slower last year, they acquired Lucic, and you know they, I don't know if they made the, some 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 good decisions. But I think they're 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 going to be a little mad, and and they'll be better. Their third team, Casey Middlestead and the Buffalo Sabers. I don't buy it. I don't buy it because um, Middlestead's going to be great. Deline still year one. Yeah, it's still yeah. yeah. And and Deline, you know the 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 great Swede yep. coming in, and they made a lot of changes. That locker room has to get to know each other. They got to, they have to understand the new system. They have to learn the grind. You have to learn how to play in the National Hockey League. I don't see, I think they'll make a jump. Jack Eichel has got to be, has, got, has to mature. Uh, all the skill in the world, no question. But when you compare him to Austin Matthews, not even he's, close. He's a step behind. Not even close. And so we'll see what type of leadership and maturity has come with him. Um, they're still, you know, they've got some talent on the D, still young. Uh, their goaltending. They were so bad defensively last year. Oh my gosh. Uh, you and I could have scored. And their goaltending, now they. <laughs> Let's not go that far with me. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, you're a defensive defenseman. I forgot. They bring in Carter Hutton. I've from... been playing forward in my men's league the last couple of games. Well, it's we're, ma- we're making a change. I'm, I'm going to tell you where to get to to score some goals. Okay. Um, they brought in Carter Hutton from the St. Louis Blues. Okay. Hey, he played behind Pecorine. He played behind Jake Allen in St. Louis. Uh-oh. Now I'm the number one goalie there. How, how, how are you going to handle the pressure? That That's another, you know... Um, a twist in this thing. How 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 will he handle being the number one goalie? So I I would uh, I would say putting Buffalo in that mix is is premature. I think Buffalo will be golfing next April, and so if they're, so they're going to golf, they should go to Eagle Valley Golf Course. Oh, absolutely, in Woodbury. Where Maybe you we'll play with them. Excellent conditions, friendly yep. staff every single day. If you want to book a tee time at Eagle Valley Golf Course, go to eaglevalleygc.com, and of course follow them on social media. Sometimes you can get free weeks of golf by uh, following them at Eagle Valley GC. And we're now joined by the assistant general manager of the Minnesota Wild, Tom Curvers. Tom, thanks for joining as always. And uh, you are in uh, Traverse City, Michigan. Of course, the Minnesota Wild and the prospects are out there so far uh, through the tournament. Uh, what, what's caught your eye with the, uh, with the Wild? Our team's played very well, uh, consistently hard through three games. We had a little bit of a lull early in game two. Uh, we've had a good game against Detroit in the first game, and it, this this town of Traverse City sort of embraces the Red Wings through this development tournament, and then they host the Red Wings for training camp. So, uh, you know, a small community rink, but it's jam-packed full. And, you know, you walk in, and everyone, every player is so ready to play. They're all healthy. They're all fresh. They go about a million miles an hour, and, and our guys were able to, to deal with that. And then a, a, a strong hometown crowd pulling for their team, and, and our guys pulled out a win against Detroit. And then uh, they play back-to-back games, so uh, we lost the second game to the Rangers but uh, had a strong third period and had plenty of chances to tie that one up and then won a shootout yesterday uh, against Dallas and with a comeback with scoring a goal late to, to get the tie there. So everyone's very satisfied with the, with the effort and, and the uh, the. the consistent really the consistent effort that our young guys have shown here and you know it 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 wears well on the logo and and so we're very satisfied with what we've seen hey curves are there are there any young kids that uh wild fans can can keep an eye on uh, in the future i know you know there's probably a you know i know greenways there and such that you know has a chance to make the team but uh any other young guys that have caught your eye that you know that that people here might want to look forward to in the future Louis Belpedio has played pretty well here. He, you know, and then last night he he had a big hit, a, a real clean, solid, strong body check hit. And as happens in pro hockey, he got challenged to a fight right away. And he threw a couple left and surprised a, a relatively tough customer in Masherin from Dallas. And, uh, you know, you'd say he won the fight. I don't know. You and I have never won a fight. So I don't know <laughs> if we right. that on the market. But he did throw a couple left that looked impressive to me. And, and uh, that reaction from a college player, a U.S.-based player, uh, it was more of a junior hockey reaction. And you've got to have some of that in you in order to survive a 10- you know, or 12-year career in the NHL. And he showed something there. So he's a good player. He skates well. He moves the puck well. And he stood up to a, uh, an immediate physical challenge after a clean hit. You may not like that in hockey, but... It exists, and you got to deal with it, and he did very well. Yeah, I mean, I've obviously followed his career, and you know, I've done a ton of his games over the 
over the years. I mean, he's got a lot of skill too, doesn't he? And he and he competes. And you know, sometimes I mean, I think he's probably, as you know, ha- has to learn the pro game a little bit. But uh, um, he's got a lot of talent. He's going to need to learn all the things uh, that a guy could learn at the Jared Spurgeon Hockey School, and that <laughs> right, is right. when you're under undersized, you need to have technique. You need to have good stick positioning. You need your feet to be in the right place because if you don't have that in place, these guys are too big and strong, and bigger guys can still one-hand smaller guys out of the way if that positioning isn't correct. So he'll need to learn things. Uh, He's off to a good start. He played a game in the NHL, so he knows the feeling of being on an NHL rink with with that caliber player, and he'll come into camp and he'll compete for a job, and that's what we're asking these guys to do, and you can't say who's going to be on what team uh, whether Minnesota or Iowa, because we have a lot of competition for those jobs, and uh, we we want those guys to walk into camp believing they have a shot at an NHL roster spot. Uh, Pat alluded to uh, Jordan Greenway, who I saw via reports that did not see the games, but uh, saw just uh, from a written standpoint that uh, maybe he was the most dominant player, especially in that first game. I know he sat out the last couple or going to sit out today. Uh, does that just mean you guys have seen enough out of him? Well, we, there's no place on the schedule in the NHL with four games and five nights. It's, it's, it's. I don't know that it's been outlawed in the American League, but it's been drastically reduced where you play four games and five nights. I, I don't think it's great to take our top young prospects and play them four times in five nights, give them 24 hours off, and then tell them to go compete with NHL guys for a roster spot. So, yeah, there's a lot of reasons there. He, he showed very well. More, you know, you can talk about how good he is and how skilled he is and how big he is and all that, but with an unselfish team-first attitude, and there's a lot of players in the years I've come to Traverse City or gone to different rookie tournaments that show up with an entitled sort of point of view, and they don't give you their best showing because they don't think they should have to be there. But Jordan showed up, he played hard, and he was dominant. Hey, Tom, we're going to talk about the the big club uh, in a minute, but uh, I want to focus... I know one of your uh, major tasks is to um, I don't I don't know if you want to call it rebuild, but um, get more prospects in Iowa that 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 you guys will eventually be able to feel comfortable to to call up to the big club. Um, what's the main focus right now with the Iowa Wild and and getting them to the playoffs and and uh, and, and and building some prospects down there? Yeah, the, the the focus is to get the playoffs. We want our our prospects. We want our our reinforcements. If they're if they're not especially young prospects or our older uh, American leaguers, we want them to to feel the the pain of a playoff series and more playoff series, so that when those players arrive in Minnesota as bonafide NHL players, or they show up as reinforcements to our lineup in the playoff setting, they're used to it. And so Iowa has missed out on that. So the last couple of years, the team's been better and been fighting for a playoff spot until the last month. And, and a couple of things a little bit out of the Iowa coaching staff or, you know, a little things out, a couple of things around the trade deadline with injuries and trades kind of decimated the roster in the last couple of years at, at trade deadline time and kind of pushed them back out of the playoff setting. So we would like to see that uh, come through, have Tim Army have a good year with these guys and play playoff games and so everyone gets a taste of that so it's not something new when when they arrive in minnesota and the playoffs hit you and it's 
it's a it's a challenge like you've never seen before to play in that first playoff game. So you want them to to go through it prior to that in the American League. It's the closest thing to NHL playoffs. So that's the aim to get to get our team there. All our players will benefit. Now on the on the prospect side, this has been a really good team. Two years in a row of a hundred points. Right. And the and the push is to reinforce that roster at trade deadline time, and they they've taken a stab at it. And the price you pay is young players, young prospects, you know, future draft picks. And so, after my time in Tampa, where we were very protective of of first, second, and third round picks, and tried to hold those in place best we could um, until really until the Ryan McDonough trade, where we sent out you know trade uh, draft picks and and prospects to get a hold of a, of a real good player in Ryan McDonough. At that point, yeah, um, we made that trade, but we held those, those, those draft choices real tight in the Iserman time. And one thing I learned is the value of those draft picks. It was constantly talked about there. So I want to try to you know bring that experience with me and, and try to preserve those first, second, and third round picks because that's where your talent and skill are occasionally a player comes out of the free agent pool or later in the draft, but not very often. All right, let's uh, move on to the big club because uh, they appear Thursday for uh, physicals and to talk with the media, and then Friday is their first time on the ice. I'm talking about the uh, the NHL team for the Wild. Um, it seems like going into every preseason or training camp, you always hear about all these roster spots that, that, be, that players are competing for, but let's face it, we're in a salary cap world where there's guaranteed contracts. There's only, only so many spots available, so... Uh, from a, from an assistant GM standpoint, uh, what are kind of the competitions you're looking for here over the next uh, couple weeks? Well, you're right. You know, five year contract. You know, they they are, they do set a guy in. You 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 are you, are, you do the five to eight year contracts. These players are on your roster, and and so you try to create competition in the in the spots you know that are available for whether the guy's on a one-way deal or a two-way contract, you want them to feel like they have a fair, fair chance to earn that. And as long as they feel like that's been given to them, they will be part of the organization. They will, they will return the favor with their best effort, whether they're playing on the fourth line in Minnesota or a healthy scratch in Minnesota or playing in the American League waiting for their opportunity, whether it be injury or performance-based, waiting for their chance to play in Minnesota. So, you treat everyone with the dignity and respect that a that a full time um, veteran professional hockey player, you know, gives you. You, you. you return that, and then try to create an environment where they know they got a fighting chance to play. Hey, Kurz, uh, th- there's four guys that I that I look at on on your roster that at time at at, at at different years. They've had great years, and and some of the others have not had good years. You know, I'm talking about Granlin, Zucker, uh, Niederreiter, and and Charlie Coyle. Um, you know, Nino had a Nino had a great year two years ago, and last year injuries and such. You know, not not his best year. Granny was down a little bit. Zucker has a great year. Charlie Coyle injuries and such. Um, a couple of years ago, he was really good, and and you know, for whatever reason, uh, didn't have a great year last year. How important would it be? To have all four of those guys, you know, not necessarily have great years, but just really have solid years for for your team. How important is that? Well, from my outsider point of view, from last year, you know, two of those guys were injured early in the year, right? And once right. you're once you're hurt, then you're you're chasing it, yeah. And it 
just never seemed like they were able to catch up to it after the early injuries. And Coyle ended up having more than the one injury. Uh, I, you know, we get that information, or I did anyway, after the season. So uh, you have to point to that injury factor as part of the reason we didn't go four for four in those players' performance. But they've all shown what they can do mm-hmm. in in recent seasons. And so our success is is based on as many guys as possible playing well. I think your your point is well made. If those four guys are, if we're talking here at uh, Thanksgiving time and they're off to a good start, I like our chances of having a good record. And the more players that we can have, you know, feeling good, feeling part of things and healthy, uh, you know, it's a, it's a strong team. And it's been a strong team for years. It's 100 points the last two years. We, we have health and we have those young guys taking on a, a bigger part of the duty and the, and the carry of the team. This should be a strong team. Okay, well, speaking of health, then, how often uh, are you guys in contact with uh, Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter regarding their health? Do you have any updates on uh, what the feeling is with them, and are you, are you worried about them at all chasing it at the beginning of the season? Well, with those two, you know, all, this, all the information's been positive, and, you, you'd, you know, with every injury, you have to wait and see what it looks like on the ice, and, and then you have to wait and see after they skate and practice, you know, those steps you have to take. Uh, to get back to a, to a game game ready and and but all the all the information coming our way says we should have a healthy roster on uh, opening night and then you know you still got to play the six exhibition games and there's plenty of risk in that for injury so going into the season you know the news is as good as it can be with with all the all the guys that were banged up at the end of last year. Hey curves, uh, we I think we say this every year. The West got better. Uh, we just saw yesterday Max Pacioretty traded uh, uh, to Vegas, and uh, other teams obviously in the West um, made some improvements. Um, that being said, uh, you look at the West, and, and it's almost like get to the just get to the playoffs. Um, talk about the grind of it, and and what really you know needs to happen, or or what what's the you know what do you guys have to do to to make sure that you know. You're right there again. Uh, come playoff time, we need to get off to a good start. You, you're not going to be able to fall behind in this conference or this division. You know the division is a punishing division. And, mm-hmm. You know St. Louis. St. Louis has made all kinds of moves to to sort of rejuvenate their team. And Winnipeg and Nashville are coming off of gigantic seasons. And Chicago doesn't like being on the bottom. And Dallas, you know, has elements to be a really good team. It's tough in our own division <laughs> right. before you get to the conference. And um, you have to get off to a good start. If you start chasing it down, uh, if, you're up a, if you're up in the, in the pack and you lose a, a game in a shootout or overtime, you can live with that. If you're down beneath it and you play a good game and you lose and you only get one point out of it, it, it starts to feel heavy. So it's really there's a mental part of this. And you have to be in front of it in order to to keep the juice going through a long. I mean, ninety or eighty-two games in one hundred and ninety-five days. It's a it's, it's a crazy. Grind. It's yeah. a real hard schedule. Hey Tom, a couple more questions for you before we let you go. Uh, I want to ask you about Miko Koivu because here in Minnesota, he's always been a little bit of a polarizing figure um, because he is a solid two-way forward. I think sometimes he's a little underrated nationally, just based on what he brings defensively. But at the same time. Uh, has drawn a lot of criticism in this town because he won't cheat 
uh, uh, defensively to, to add some more offensively. Just from the outside, from what you watch him uh, from not being here in this organization in the past, uh, how have you always perceived him as a player? A proud athlete, determined, competitive, has a little anger in his game, stuff that can lift your team uh, in, in, in uh, pinch time, and stuff that you can depend on when you're protecting a lead. Uh, big, strong sentiment are hard to come by, and uh, he's, been a, he's been a focal point for this team and this franchise for years. So uh, his contributions are going to be big-time part of our success this year. Hey, Kurz, uh, before uh, our last question to you, um, you brought in some guys that uh, appear to be really, really good character guys, talking, you know, guys like JT Brown and, and Matt Hendricks, et cetera. Um, how, imp- I mean, y- y- I mean, you look at it from a standpoint of, you know, maybe they're not, uh, you know, top six forwards or what have you, but they brought an element of, of uh, of grittiness to the room and to the ice and and you know the will to win um, was that really uh, a a big focus of what you guys were trying to do in free agency? Well, you you guys mentioned that the the, the core players get contracts and, and they get term and they get no movement clauses. That's league wide. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot you can do, um, you know, with a, with a lot of your roster, and so you try to find a little different mix. Bring mm-hmm. a little different uh, sense of energy to the to the bottom roster spots, to the bottom line, and in JT Brown's case, you know the league the league's faster and faster, and JT can keep up with the the pace of the league. So we think we added a little speed, and and he's an he's a tenacious player. And Matt Hendricks has a has a long standing profile as a as a you know a guy who makes everyone accountable in his in his locker room. So there are some elements there that. That we wanted, and we we had familiarity with those guys, and they were excited to be here. So it was a fit in every way, and uh, you know, it looked, those are minor things that that could have major impact on our team, and we we like to think going in that that they will. So those guys show up; they're happy to be part of things here, and you know, part of the reason that they wanted to be here is that this is a good team. They can flourish playing a supportive role for a good team much better than trying to find a supporting role on a poor team. We think this is a good team, and so did they. Tom, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Uh, Good luck this season, and I'm sure we'll uh, chat with you soon. Look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks, Tom Kervers. Assistant GM for the Minnesota Wild, and uh, it's hockey season, Pat. It is. It's it's exciting. I mean, less than 27 days, I think, is the first game. 27 days from well, today. Preseason game is six, six, I know. six days from today. Can you believe that? At the time of this taping. Wow. So, yeah, unbelievable. going to be fun. Uh, we'll talk to you again uh, next week. Good to see you. He's Pat Micheletti. I'm Brandon Molesky. This has been another episode of Beyond the Pod. We'll just do a couple more leading you up to the regular season for the Minnesota Wild for the 2018-2019 season. And, of course, you'll be able to hear us on Minnesota Wild fan line after select Minnesota Wild games. Thanks, as always, to our sponsor, Eagle Valley Golf Course in Woodbury. You can follow them. On Twitter, Facebook, at Eagle Valley GC. Thanks again. We'll talk to you next week right here on Beyond the Pod.